0: David McCulloch was a historian. Uh, wrote prol- prolifically uh, many, many books, but he seemed to have a particular passion for the years around 1776, as a matter of fact, that was the title of one of the history books he wrote, 1776, about George Washington and those that surrounded him, and I was struck by what was on the leaflet, uh, the, the flap of the book. He said something to the effect of, I do not believe, this is McCulloch speaking about Washington and Adams and those, that cast of characters, he said, I do not believe we can ever know too much about the men and the women, what motivated them and the sacrifices they made and the convictions that they held. We begin a new sermon series entitled, For All the Saints. And for the next four weeks, we're going to look at the founders of the early church. We're going to look at characters like Philip, Philip, uh, characters like Barnabas. And if what David McCulloch said was true, that we can never know too much about the men and the women, who made the sacrifices and held the convictions? We can never know too much about what inspired them, and learn from their example. Then that is certainly as true for them that it's certainly true for the church. Just by way of comparison, our nation's done pretty well, going on 200 plus years, but the church has that beat by about tenfold, going on 2,000 years, at least. We can never too know too much about the men and the women who. The convictions they had, the beliefs they held, what inspired them to make the choices that they made. So this week we begin a new sermon series entitled Everyday Saints. This Sunday we're going to look at St. Philip. Saint Philip is called Saint Philip the Deacon or Saint Philip the Evangelist, depends on which website you go to. Uh, usually, I prepare some sermon notes. There's no ex- exception this Sunday. I did, however, unlike most Sundays, your sermon notes aren't very valuable because what I wrote earlier in the week seems less brilliant now than it did when I wrote them back on Tuesday. So the only purpose your sermon notes will serve is to co- cover a brief biography of Saint Philip. Who is he? Well. Uh, he is first introduced in Acts chapter 6. There's a story. It actually is the, the beginning of the role called a deacon. A deacon is a servant in the church. So Renee is a deacon. Uh, and they have a specific role of service. And back in Acts chapter 6, uh, that role was initiated. And Philip was one of the first deacons. We encounter him here in Acts chapter 8. And this is really his bright, shining moment. Uh, a few verses earlier in chapter 8, Philip is evangelizing the Samaritans, and now we have this great encounter with the Ethiopian. We're going to spend some time thinking about that, this particular passage. We encounter Philip one last time. And that's in Acts chapter 21. And Philip is here described as a, in his domestic setting. Uh, he's, he has four children, four daughters, each of whom are prophesying in, in the church, have some role of leadership in the church. And I begin with this. Just snapshot view of Philip, because I think it's an inspiring story. He he was not looking for the spotlight, although the spotlight came to him. He had a brief shining moment of impact, and then he lived his life quietly, and he raised four children who knew and loved the Lord. You know, there's this knock against, uh, uh, well, there's, there's a, a stereotype of preacher's families, something called a PK, maybe you know that acronym, and PKs, or even worse, MKs, a missionary kids, are notoriously ill-behaved, and so there's this trajectory that a preacher's kids end up being like the antithesis of what the preacher wants them to be, and uh, and I wonder why that is. Maybe it's because uh, the kids of the preacher see the preacher Monday through Saturday. Preacher says good things, love God, love one another on Saturday, on Sunday, but Monday maybe that just doesn't resonate, and the kids think, "Ah, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. That wasn't true of Philip. As impactful as, uh, and important as the story in Acts is, Acts chapter 8, don't miss this quiet testimony of a faithful person who sought out to serve. Just a, a deacon in the church was given this great moment uh, that we have in Acts chapter 8. He evangelized the Ethiopian. He served the church, but he served his family, and he evangelized his family as well. That in itself is a great example to follow, but not the subject of this morning. Our subject is chapter 8, verse 26 and following. You can find this in your pew Bible, page 864. It'll be helpful to have the passage in front of you. As I mentioned, your sermon notes have ceased their utility, so a new outline for us to follow. I want to look at this passage under three headings. First question I want to ask is, what did Philip hear? Second question I want to address is, what did Philip hear? No. Third question I want to address is, what did Philip say? Let's jump in. What did Philip hear? You'll note in our passage as we begin, this is a very, I'd say, intensely spiritual passage. Follow along with me. See if you can appreciate that. The angel of the Lord said to Philip. There's a direct communication from the Lord to Philip. The angel intervenes. angel says, go. Philip went. When Philip arrived to where he was supposed to go, the angel said again, go to that chariot and speak. That's like verse uh, 29. The Spirit said, go. And again, Philip went. There's an intense spirituality about this passage, the direct intervention of the Lord. And at the end, you'll notice a strange passage where the Lord sort of whisks Philip away. But Philip found himself in Azotus, Right? It's a very intensely spiritual uh, story. And you may think, well, of course, the Bible is a spiritual book. It only makes sense that spiritual things would happen in a spiritual book. However, this is unique. For being a spiritual book, which the Bible is, there are some very mundane, uh, it's not overly spiritual. This is kind of unique language. Let me give you one for instance. Acts chapter one. The church is facing a big decision. The number of apostles is down to 11. Poor Judas has fallen away. And so the church has to make a decision. They need 12 apostles. And that to me seems like a very important decision. That seems to me to be the type of decision where you could expect the Lord to say, Pick that person. That's the new disciple. You know how they they picked the apostle? The 12th apostle? They rolled dice. Acts chapter one, verse 26. It was a simple roll of the dice. In other words, the Bible is not an overly spiritual book. Most decisions of the early church are governed by providence, a roll of the dice, or by prudence, just the wisdom of those entrusted with leadership. But this is different. Here we have the Lord directly intervening. Philip, go. Philip, speak. And Philip went. And then Philip spoke. And the question I want to ask is why? Why is it necessary that this be a especially uh, spiritually intense story? And here's the question. Here's the answer to that question. Because Philip, left to his own devices, would have never done what he was told to do. Think about it. Philip, Christianity was still sort of part of the Jewish, Jewish uh, all, all the early disciples were Jewish. And Judaism of that time was not known for its, if I could say it gently, its political correctness. There was a prayer that every Jewish man would say at the beginning of the day, which included this line, Thank God, I'm not a Gentile. There was a little bit of ethnic pride that was a part of Jewish uh, Judaism of that day. And you could not find a person more, less Jewish than the person he encountered. The person was from a different color. Was was of a different color. Probably black. Uh, The person was of a different ethnicity. He was Ethiopian. The person was of a different, uh, how to say it most gently. uh, He was altered physically. He was different uh, sexually. That's all I'll say about that subject. But there was nothing that was Jewish about this man. Matter of fact, the physical condition that he that described him as actually there are provisions that forbid this man from entering the temple. In other words, a eunuch was not allowed to go and worship. You could not find anyone less Jewish than this guy and there's no way Philip left to his own devices is gonna think, you know what, I've got some spare time on my hands. I'm gonna go talk to that guy who has nothing to do with me, my faith, my religion. He doesn't look like me, talk like me, act like me. No way. You see, the Lord called Philip to some place where he would not go otherwise. The Lord called Philip into some place that was frankly uncomfortable for him. And I think that is a good principle for us. When the Lord, we often say, I feel like the Lord is calling me. Okay, a funny story about some attractive woman being courted by four young men and each of the four men said, you know what, the Lord is calling you to marry me. The simple point is there's likely some conflation between the Lord's voice and the voice of their own desires. The Lord called Philip to some place he did not want to go and I think that's a good principle. The Lord often calls you and me to places that we're not comfortable going. He calls us to address conflict that we're not comfortable addressing. He calls us to address social ills that we'd rather ignore. He calls us to address sin in our own lives that we'd rather just stuff under the claws of the Lord. If you go through church, if you go through Bible study, if you go through life thinking, you know what, Glade? You are on the right track. Every preconceived thought you have about how the world works and how you act, you are just spot on. I can guarantee you. That that person who thinks that way has not tuned their ears to hear the voice of the Lord. Because the voice of the Lord should say, should assure assure us and comfort and confirm. But boy, it also has to correct. And the church needed correction in this area. They needed to break out of their ethnic enclave. And when the Lord speaks to you, it is probably calling you into an area where you'd rather not go. So that's the first point. What did Philip hear? He heard the voice of Jesus calling him into some place where he'd rather not go. And this is something that's true for you, too. The Lord is calling you into places where you'd rather not go. Second thing, what did Philip know? Or, excuse me. What did Philip know? For that, I just want to look, take a step back and look at our passage, a very important passage, because it describes really the first occasion of personal a personal conversation that resulted in in conversion. In other words, this was an evangelistic conversation. The person was not a believer, the Ethiopian was not a believer. There was something in the conversation where the Ethiopian said, you know what, I'm in. There's some water, let's do this thing right now. It was pivotal. And the question I wanna ask is what made it so pivotal? What was so important that pushed this person from not believing to believing? And the answer lies in the passage that the Ethiopian was reading. It's from Isaiah. And uh, you heard it quoted. I'm in verse 32. The passage that the Ethiopian was studying was this, like a sheep led to a slaughter, like a lamb before its shearers, is silent so it opens not its mouth. That passage comes from the end of Isaiah. And at the end of Isaiah, which is the biggest book in the Bible, we are introduced to a new character, an un- character henceforth unknown in the Bible. And it's the character that scholars have called the suffering servant. And really from Isaiah 50-ish to the end, the suffering servant dominates the landscape. He's the one, there's one that is coming who will be led like a lamb to the slaughter. And this is the passage that the Ethiopian eunuch is, is studying, and do you see his question? There's something in, uh, called a softball question. And a softball question is where the person just puts the question up there for the person responding just to crack it out of, the, out of the stadium. And this is a softball question. His question is this. The Ethiopian asks, so when Isaiah writes about the lamb before its shearers, the one who will suffer, the one who will be led to slaughter, was Isaiah talking about himself or was he talking about somebody else? answer somebody else that is what Philip knew this is one of the clearest passages that talks about the suffering of the servant further this passage is from Isaiah 53 verse 5 and Isaiah 53 verse 6 the very next verse we not only read that he will suffer and die we will also read that he will suffer and die on behalf of others. You may recognize this famous passage. Surely he has borne our grief. Surely he has carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgression, crushed for our iniquities. That is verse 6. What he was reading was verse 5. This is one of the clearest passages that talks about the one who would suffer for the benefit on behalf of others. Back to our question, what did Philip know? Philip, is this about Isaiah or about someone else? Philip knew the answer to that question. This passage anticipates the suffering of the servant who would die for the sins of many There are many things we should know about our Christian faith. But here is the crucial point. Here is the crux of the matter that pushed this person from unbelief to belief. There is one whose name is Jesus who lived and died for you. Period. End of sentence. That is what Philip knew. Let's go on to verse six, uh, the third question. What Philip heard. He heard the voice, voice of Jesus calling him to places where he would not go. Point number two, what did Philip knew? No, he knew what was central to the heart of the Christian faith, the suffering servant. Number three, what did Philip say? Again, it's helpful to know a little bit about more about this Ethiopian. I mentioned as I began that there were prohibitions that forbade this man from entering the temple, all right? Deuteronomy 23, a man in his condition would be forbidden. So it's likely that this man traveled all the way to Jerusalem from Ethiopia. How far? I don't know, but pretty far. And having arrived in, in Jerusalem, all, more than likely, he was forbidden from entering. And so he turned around. This man was likely dejected. And so, Philip's obedience to the Lord, to go somewhere where he would rather not go, to someplace uncomfortable, led him to someone who needed comfort. This passage from Isaiah is a wonderful passage, and it just keeps on getting better. As I've said, this is from Isaiah 53. You'll never guess what Isaiah chapter 54 addresses. Isaiah chapter 54 addresses the very condition of this man. The passage addresses the barren one, the one who is desolate, the one who cannot have any children, which is what this man is. And the passage goes on to say that the desolate one will be with child, and he who was barren will be enlarged the tent because he will have children. In other words, the suffering servant tells us not only that one will suffer, not only that this suffering will be on behalf of others, but also the blessings that will come from the result of the one who suffered for the many. Do you know how many Ethiopian Christians there are? 36 million. The Ethiopian church is the oldest church in the world. And 36 million Christians owe their faith to one barren man. The barren one gave birth. The children of the desolate have become many. many. So let me summarize. Philip, who knew the good news that Jesus died for him, listened to the voice of Jesus calling him into a place where he would not go otherwise. And in that place, Philip offered a little of the comfort that can only come from Christ. And this is not just for saints, this is for everyday saints. The same invitation is for you. I often tell people that being a pastor is the best job in the world. And here's why. Because as a pastor, I'm often invited into places where I would not likely go. When marriages are falling apart, where people are sick and dying, people still call pastors and people still call me. And I'm invited into places where I would not rather go. And in those places, before I go into that hospital room or to that counseling or whatever it is, I often pray a simple little prayer, which is, Jesus, help me be a little bit of a light of Christ to the person that I'm about to encounter for the uncomfortable position I'm about, to be, uh, to, I'm about to engage. And this is something for you. Philip wasn't a deacon or wasn't a pastor. He was a deacon. This is not for... The saints of old, this is not for this line of uh, what I've just described is for everyday saints. Because believe me, the Lord is going to call you into places where you would rather not go. Trust me, just wait. And in those places you can do what Philip did, which is reflect a little bit of the light of Christ, offer a little bit of the comfort of Christ, a little bit of that balm of Gilead that only he can offer. So, as we conclude... All who knew what Philip knew, which is that Jesus was the lamb led to slaughter, he was the one that suffered for the many. For the transgressions of many, he was pierced. That's what Philip knew. All who knew what Philip knew can respond like Philip responded that is, to say yes when God invites you and to go to a place where you would rather not. And all of you can do what Philip did when you are there that is, comfort the trouble with the comfort that only Christ can provide. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we thank you for your servant Philip, whom you called to preach the gospel to the peoples of Samaria and Ethiopia. Raise up in this and every land heralds and evangelists of your kingdom, that your church may make known the immeasurable riches of our Savior Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, now and forever, amen. Please rise.